this week's um, episode of um, As the Actor Said to the Critic is being brought to you between the seasons. I'm dressed in full winter gear because I have been so cold. I've just got all my winter clothes back out of the wardrobe. Uh, Whereas Nancy... I've exposed my ankles. And you're in a T-shirt. And my elbows. And your elbows. And you're looking like we're in full <laughs> summer. Yeah. And the weather outside actually is doing, it really can't make up its mind. So it's sort of sitting between us. Um, That's a perfect moment to be recording episode seven. Episode seven. Um, hello, I'm Sarah Crompton. I'm the critic. And I'm Nancy Carroll and I'm the actress. And today we thought we might talk about awards ceremonies because the um, Tony Awards are coming up on June 12th. Imminent. Imminent. And um, yeah, the Tonys are always quite exciting, even though obviously we haven't seen a lot of the shows that are coming up. And um, this year has got a lot of British interest because Marianne Elliott's company, Revival of Company, is out and up for awards. And um, also the Layman Trilogy by Sam Mendes, I think actually has been nominated for the most awards, yeah, including three Best Actor Awards because there are three actors in it. And it's really nice to all be nominated yes. as Best Actor. So Simon Ross Beale, Adam Godley and Adrian Lester, who's taken over in uh, New York. He didn't do it in London. Um, most fabulous play told through many voices from three actors and who take on many, many parts. So that's very exciting that they're all possibly in. And you say Girl from the North Country? Girl from the North Country's up for Best New Musicals. That's quite exciting. I didn't love it. I'm the critic who didn't love Girl (gasps) from the North Country. Was I wrong, Nancy? I loved it. I think you were right because everybody else has loved it. But... That was, I think, I mean, it's a, I thought it was brilliantly acted and, you know, there's a, there's a sort of uh, formula now, isn't there, that I think probably started with Mamma Mia, where you take a collection of songs um, and put them into a story, uh, which I've never seen it not work, but it, you... Um, yeah, I just, I yeah, I was just blown away by the performance. Conor McPherson did make it work beautifully. I think what happened with that, I love some of the performances. In, they're not the Broadway ones, but um, Sheila Atom, I remember that was the first time I was yeah. really conscious of her. And I did adore her. But I think um, my basic Bob Dylan allergy just kind of oh, yeah. caught me out because I'm not really a fan. Oh, I am a fan. That's I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I felt like um, there's a, there's a, the the man in the Bateman cartoon who's the one person not laughing. I really felt like that at the at the girl in the North Country. I just I just didn't get it. But then, if all. you don't like Abba, you won't go to Mamma Mia. So. No, exactly, exactly. It's a bit tricky. It was a bit tricky for me. Anyhow, yeah. So, brought, um, Tony, what's quite exciting? Looking forward to hearing the results of that. Have you ever been nominated for won an award, Nancy? I have many, many, many moons ago. Um, I, I mean, we spoke about the In Charleston Awards, but then I did a production at the National Theatre of Terence Rattigan's After the Dance that um, w- there were a few of us actually that were nominated and, and won awards for that. I, I think it came left field really and people didn't know what to expect of it and I don't think Rattigan was particularly in fashion at the time and I think Rattigan had 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 a weird relationship with After the Dance because he'd had huge success with French Without Tears and then um, 
after the dance came out in London just before the outbreak of war and I think for obvious reasons, reasons people sort of didn't go and see it in the droves that they had done with his first play. And so he took that as a personal comment on that he was unable to achieve the same success, the same level of success. And, And so he, even later in life, when he achieved fame during his lifetime, put together sort of Chronolo- um what do you call it when you have uh, collections of collections, uh, collections plays, yes, of plays. He, yeah he purposefully kept off he the kept dance it out house. yes and when we did it at the national it was interesting quite a few people said to me during the run i tried to produce this and so i think people have been li- really really trying to pull it from the back of the bookcase yeah. for a number of years and then it just hit that moment and so people were surprised yeah by it. So i think that's right because i remember i mean critically i remember thinking that going along to watch it i wasn't writing about theater then but um i remember going along to watch it thinking oh this must be a really bad play because ratican didn't want it to yeah, be on yeah. and so you assume that and then you sat down and it was such an amazing play yeah beautiful and kind of summing up the mood of a time and the kind of brittle bright young things who were you know not conscious of the coming of war and also a crystalline production i mean it was just um sensational it, it was be- and you were wonderful nancy if i may say so thank you benedict cumberbatch was pretty good too oh, adrian scarborough's john adrian reed Scar- i mean the company were just lovely and we had that we used a sort of full width of um of the littleton stage and it was the National doing what they do best, really, which is those huge sprawling period pieces, and they always look beautiful. And you know, we have the the, the privilege and um, luxury of long rehearsal periods to really mine. Um, so we've lived and breathed it for like seven, eight weeks. By the time you hit the stage, it was just lovely. And and so as a result, it was a real unexpected success. And yeah. I. Um, and you got an Olivier Award. As- I did, and an Evening Standard Award. Um, and, it, you know, it was interesting because there were quite a few really interesting left-field productions that year. Um, Cl- Claiborne Park, was it? Claiborne Park, Park, yes. Uh, and Tracy Bennett singing, uh, you know, in... Uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Yeah, Over the Rainbow, that production. And so, and I, I think even in the Evening Standard Awards, I was up against Legally Blonde, weirdly, because, it, you know, that they didn't have the distinguishing categories of that yet then. Yeah, that was um, Sheridan Smith, wasn't yeah. it? Who had been brilliant, yeah. So I was, I was told absolutely uh, in no uncertain terms that I wasn't going to win either of them so it was a complete shock Um, and I was quite heavily pregnant in both cases with my son our son Um, and uh, not my son my son (laughs) your son son with your husband I I think I share yeah we made him together (laughs) Uh, although he's now entirely his own uh, entity the um yeah, so Evening Standard Awards first. Um, and that was an extraordinary evening because... So I was told that there's absolutely no way I was going to win. And we arrived and it was the first year that um, it had been called the Natasha Richardson Award. And Who was, you know, yeah, after... Uh, because she, she just died, died, hadn't she? She, she died, died in a skiing accident. And she, it was a very interesting thing, that death, because she wasn't somebody I ever knew, never encountered in any... Um, role except on stage and I, I I remember just being kind of heartbroken yes by that news because she she'd always just seemed so wonderful and it was nice that the award took on her name yeah and Liam Neeson was there um to present to present the award and uh yeah he was just 
it was just incredibly sad and moving. And um, he was wearing a, a T-shirt with her image on it oh, and a tuxedo jacket over the top of that. And I think, you know, quite understandably was really struggling. And um, they'd written him a speech actually for him to deliver. And he just stood up and said, I'm not reading this. Um but as we sat down, we'd sort of been given this champagne reception and then we were all led in and uh, to a big hall and he was sat on the adjacent table to us and I was there with my husband, Joe, and as we sat down, Joe saw him take out a piece of paper from his pocket that had my name on it. <laughs> so <laughs> he said, have you written a speech? And I said, no, I'm not going to win. I've been told that I'm not going to win. He went, think of something to say fast. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you say? Did you say? I, some, some absolute rubbish, I'm sure. I just sort of waffled. Um, because it's such an extraordinary process, the Evening Sand Awards, because they do the long list, of yeah, course. Yes. And so you think, well, that's, that's really lovely to be on a long list. And then somehow you make it onto a short list and you go, really? Okay, that's okay. That's really? And then... Um, and so you don't expect that that's ever going to be anything that enters your yeah. trajectory, really. Trajectory. You just think that's something that happens to other people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's similarly with the Olivier Awards. Although I think that the, the, with the Olivier's, um, there were more of us were up for stuff. And it right, was really, yes. as a production, think, it was really celebrated that night. Which I think was it really won lovely. best. Revival, revival, didn't it? That Thea Sharrock yeah. won Best Revival yeah. and Adrian Scarborough won for Best Supporting Actor because he was completely sublime. So it was, a, it was a, it was as a piece, again, you know, we've talked about revivals and we talk, and it's, it's interesting how these things can suddenly, you know, come back into full focus and you go, oh God, I'd forgotten about this. And it's just in the right hands. They, they speak to the next generation. And I think award ceremonies, you know, when, when they do that it, and they celebrate something that has, is pure of instinct, really, or pure of intention, um, and that's really lovely when that happens. As a as a whole, I I never know how anybody judges one performance over another. Well, I yeah, I sadly, Nancy, they haven't asked me. I have never won an award. Oh, I'm so I? sorry. Have you ever won an award? No. I'm so sorry. Selfish. No, the only thing I've narcissistic ever- <laughs> actress. I'm so sorry. <laughs> And I've always kind of, I, I, you know, I think I don't want to. And my brother tells this brilliant story that when I was a kid, um, and actually probably a teenager, actually, not even a kid, I used to practice my Oscar acceptance speech <laughs> in the bath. And he, he would walk past the bathroom and he would hear me talking to myself and I would be accepting my Oscar. I think for best direction oh, rather really? than best action. But you can't remember who you were thanking. I was just thanking the whole I'd world like to say my for mother. my Oscar. Um, but um, I have. Another day. It's another podcast with the dogs. Yes. Who's Sue, just come and the world. I'd like to say, Not I'd there. like to thank my I'm mother. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank my brother. I've he I does know. nothing. Sue, Go and see without Gusto. He Sue. loves you. I have judged awards, though, actually. So I have done the thing you think be hard. So I've done um, the Evening Standard quite often. And I did the Olivier Awards as a member of the public, which was riveting. Oh, wow, interesting. It used to be set up slightly differently. Now I think it's all judged by 
Oh, I just got a whole God. different system. God, God maybe. Um, but when I did it, there were quite a lot of members of the public on it. I don't quite know how I was on a member of the public, but it was brilliant because I had no money theatre tickets at that point oh. in my life. So, of course, you got to see everything. And I really loved it. And they were very long and impassioned debates around the table. I thought that the process actually was long, but it was, I thought, really very good and quite transparent. Yeah. And um, the, the standard awards I've done, which is... Uh, you know, being a pleasure. My story about the Standard Awards is that they're very careful not to tell you who has won at the end um, of your judging procedure. So it's all done like a secret ballot just to stop it being um, under too much pressure, I guess. But they do tell you um, just before in advance of the ceremony if they want you to write about something. And I was asked to write about Natasha Gordon, who had written Nine Night, which had won for Best New Play. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was so kind of excited about that because it was a brilliant play and I loved her. And I, you know, it seemed absolutely the right person to be giving the award to that year. And I was delighted when we came into the um, room to see that we were sitting together and that was lovely and I really settled down for a very nice evening. And we were on the table that effectively, if you'd gone any further back, you would have been in the kitchens. And (laughs) Natasha walked in and she did exactly what I would have done. Yeah. Of looking at where we were sitting. Yes. And deciding without a shadow of a doubt that she hadn't won anything because, I, you know, she had got... so far to get to the stage and yes. you know sort of had to clamber over people and um also as i would have done reached for a glass of wine and i thought oh i don't want her to think she really really hasn't won <laughs> you keep talking and about with water. six glasses of wine <laughs> so it was kind of quite a sort of awkward fortunately it was the first award announced so she could both um, have a drink and have a lovely evening and accept her award brilliantly and totally coherently yeah I think it's a really interesting thing, awards. I always um, kind of watch them and follow them with interest. And you're right. What it can do is if the production is still running, it becomes like films winning Oscars, that you can kind of slap it on the poster and say, you know, multi-award winner and and people hear about it and it generates um, excitement about the production. But um, it, it is to judge is a process that is governed by people's taste above yeah. everything. And so it's, it isn't with the best will in the world and the most transparent voting system in the world. It's always subject to kind of a slight um, unfairness as well. That's why you have a whole board of people yeah. because you've got you, you're hopefully taking an average of tastemakers in that way. Does that sound weird? Yeah. I don't mean that. I mean that, you know, that you've got a, a broad spectrum of of life experience looking at what's happened that yes. year. Yes, then- actually, I do think that's true. My experience has been that the bigger the committee, I used to judge the South Bankshire Awards oh, amazing. quite a long time. And that was wonderful to do because you were always looking, the whole sort of reason for the South Bankshire Awards was that you were having, you were looking for new talent, you were looking for slightly unusual things. They had a very broad range of categories they also had quite an unruly committee and a good chair melvin used to melvin bragg used to chair it i I don't know what happens now because i haven't done it for a while and he was quite good at the chairing bit so there would be a very very robust discussion about things yeah and then he he would narrow it down and narrow it down and i maybe that's right that the best awards come when there is 
kind of a, a wide range of opinion that is viewing them. And then you kind of wrestle each other to the ground yeah, in order yeah. to um, get the right winner um, or get a winner that, you know, everybody can see why it's won. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Why that person or that play has won. As long as you, there's a clarity of everybody going, oh, yeah, well, that was pretty good. Yeah. Then that feels about right. But I think it's always, you know, it's always exactly right when people thank people in their speeches and say and and pay homage to everybody else on that yeah. shortlist because ultimately to be on the shortlist is such a celebration and you think, well, that's that's really the microscopic view is that five or four or six or however many people on the shortlist. You're like, well, those people are yes. brilliant. How you then take one out is is really really the hard the hard decision. Yeah, you know, and and. And it could be as much as what that piece represents as it is the performance or, you know, it, it must also be, I think, you know, you feel sometimes, particularly with things like the Oscars, you think when people have done an extraordinary body of work that hasn't been as celebrated as it might, and then they do something that's even more extraordinary and they finally get acknowledged. And you think, well, you feel that ultimately they're being acknowledged for that entire body of work as they are as much for that performance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you, you can't, I don't know if you can actually say that as a hard and fast rule. But I, don't, I don't know if it is. I think in some ways what you're trying to do is really concentrate on that moment and yeah. on that performance. Because otherwise the danger is, which is the other sort of tendency of um, awards committees is that the most famous person, you know, the Judy Dench or the Vanessa Redgrave or whatever, yeah. always will win because A, they were brilliant, but B, they, they're the most known person. So I think at some levels in the committees I've done, you've always been trying to counter that and to try and um, recognise performances and musicals and revivals and new plays that haven't necessarily... Uh, aren't necessarily the obvious choices, I suppose, which yeah. would, after the dance would be an example of that. Yeah, yeah. Another example would be that Sharon D. Clarke is, um, uh, uh, she is up for a Tony for Caroline or Change. And yeah. that is the most extraordinary musical, yeah. which is, um, you know, about a, a, a black servant in a supposedly liberal Jewish household and just kind of discrimination she faces and she sings along with her washing machine who, yeah, you know, has a, has a voice. And it's an amazing, amazing show. It is not at all an obvious show. You wouldn't think if you were flicking through your um, time out, oh yeah, I must book that because I've, you know, my fair lady is just the same. Yeah. And in fact, it's a show infinitely um more rewarding than My Fair Lady. And that really was helped by awards because it, it started in Chichester, it went to Hampstead, it then went to the West End and now it's gone to Broadway and it's gathered momentum yeah. at every step of the way because people have said, this is amazing here, have an award. So I think, I think that can work. There's a wonderful thing as well this year that for in a lot of cases, this is the first live in-person celebration since COVID. And a lot of these productions started way before COVID and they've had this two-year hiatus. Yes. Which makes it even more of a celebration, really. It, you know, it's sort of sheer staying power um, and commitment and loyalty of teams that stayed together and said you know as soon as we can we'll we'll pick this up and carry on and whoever can be with us let's just do it and so you know there are shows on now that people have literally been making that show for the last sort of five years yeah. if not longer and that in itself 
is a massive thing to celebrate. I think it's it's that you know is so moving. Things that I've seen, you know, that I think one of the first things I saw back was Amelie, and that had started. I can't remember where, but in a much smaller theatre. Forgive me, the brain fart. But um, you know, they had been together. Was it wasn't the watermill? No, where was it? I think it was the watermill. Was it the watermill? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, going back then and we were still a socially distanced audience and we're still wearing masks and they were, you know, struggling to stay together with COVID and people being off and such, which, of course, companies still are. You know, but there's still that great survival, you know, flag-waving, I think, that a lot of theatres feel at the moment. They're like, no, come on, yeah, we're yeah. back and we're going to keep going and it's going to be marvellous. Yeah, and, it must know, be true for Lehman Brothers. I feel I saw yeah, that play yeah. so long ago, really. It feels as if it's in another age and, you know, that it has... And in fact, when... Um, I know exactly when it was about to open because I was going to go to um, the States to see both that and company. Oh, wow, and yeah. we cancelled our flights were a week after lockdown. Gosh. So we cancelled them two weeks before. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the other thing that's up for the, the Tonys is um, six the musical, oh, which um, I, I've taught before about my admiration for Lucy Moss and um, Tony, Toby Marlowe, who wrote it with her. And we had this as tangential and not related to awards at all. We had this really strange thing in lockdown where I kept re-interviewing them. They became like my... Um, you know, I'd like to say my best friends, but probably friends. more my children, really. I mean, because they're <laughs> kind of so young and talented. Um, but I and I keep interviewing them and go, and I, it's brilliant because you know, six which closed on its opening night is going to open again on Broadway. Oh no, it's not. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was. So the fact that actually at the end of it all, that's being recognised best new musical yeah, in yeah. in the nominee is is wonderful and yeah. really exciting for them and I'm very happy and I like that because that's the recognition of a new generation yes um I'm sure there are other Broadway was equally brilliant but we haven't seen the shows of I actually haven't seen six but I feel like I know it because the two lovely girls who live next door sing it constantly all through the summer so they bounce on the trampoline and go ah, 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 you know so and my kids learn all the songs and in fact we've gone to see fantastic women who change the world I think which, which is the same team have created that and so what they now represent what Lucy and Toby represent has its own sort of accolade yeah. and, and celebration that people know that whatever they put their hand to is worth going to it's see it's worth going to fantastic. see it's a wonderful show it's a really good show and a, a really great so it wasn't a very good rendition <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed. We, we have established earlier in this pod <laughs> podcast series, in uh, episode four, I think, with Rosalie Craig, that Nancy has not been in a musical. No, no, no. Sorry. Um, this is not so. my audition. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, so I do think there's value. I felt uneasy this year um, slightly about the Olivier Awards because the process didn't quite seem as transparent as I would have liked it to be. I thought there were some kind of interesting choices. And I was bothered, I will say, by the fact that the six act, six puppeteers who played the tiger in Life of Pi, who are geniuses. Yeah. But that they won a best acting category because that seemed sort of wrong to me that you know it's it's however brilliant you are as a puppeteer it's not quite the same as giving I don't think a performance so I think they need to look at things like maybe having a kind of special puppeteer, category puppeteering puppeteering category or yeah yeah 
Um, so the, there were there were things that did bother me. But I do love an awards ceremony. I do love sort of watching an awards ceremony yeah. and, and listening to all the, the frocks and seeing the frocks and all the rest <laughs> of it. Have you ever seen bad behaviour where somebody's flounced out? Or do you think people are just no. absolutely resigned to? No, I was going to say any dramatic reactions. I, I mean, I went into labour during the Olivier's, which is quite dramatic. Okay, that's really dramatic. And you hadn't mentioned that. No, no, no. Well, I was, I was literally about to drop Artie and um, who... The, the child inside me who became Arthur um, and uh, who is Arthur. And he, uh, yeah, I think I was about 10 days from the due date, but I don't know medically exactly what adrenaline does. I know that car crashes often bring on labour. And emotionally, I imagine an awards ceremony must be pretty yeah. similar in terms of the adrenaline rush. And um, it was during uh, Copacabana, I think, that uh, Barry Manilow, I mean, I think it sort of did the, did the job, oh, really. <laughs> Came on to do a song and dance you number. Sort of, you, go up, you go up stage and I was absolutely vast and made a very sort of strong, bold choice to wear this bright purple dress. I looked like this sort of purple whale waddling up onto the <laughs> stage, which they had this big screen behind you so that they're videoing you and then you're projected. So as I walked up onto the st- stage, the entire back of the stage went purple, this... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, I made the made the speech, and then you're sort of taken off, and you do lots of other interviews and photographs, and um, that was the first time I properly, properly sort of. Uh, well, I had done one job with Roger, but Roger had won best Roger actor, Allen. and Roger Allen and Adrian Scarborough had won best supporting actor, and Michelle Terry had won best supporting actress for I think it was called Tribes. Right. I think it was a play. Uh, at the, anyway, I, I might get it wrong, but it was at the Arcola, maybe it was with a deaf, partially deaf cast. Oh, yes, it's Nina Rain's first play, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. At the dinner party, I don't know where it was. Yes. She was beautiful. And um, anyway, so the four of us were sort of ushered back and you do all these bits and pieces and have lots of photographs. But obviously the build-up is quite strong. So, But actually by the time I was taken back to my seat, I was starting to feel pretty peculiar. And then um, Barry Manilow did his his thang. And then uh, Stephen Sondheim was celebrated with a Lifetime Achievement Award. And so there was a lot of, and we're standing up to give another ovation. And then we're sitting down again. And we're standing up again. And there was it. And then it got to a point where I actually couldn't stand up. And I thought, <laughs> no, this isn't Braxton Hicks. This is something quite serious. And so I couldn't then go and do all the stuff. Afterwards, I was sent home. Uh, and got about sort of seven, eight minutes apart, and then it all stopped. Oh, my and he, goodness. he arrived a few days after that. But he, he thought quite seriously about making the same evening his same birthday. Evening. It'd be nice to have an award and a baby on the I know, same I, night. Yeah. I would have liked that. But, yeah, so that was pretty dramatic. I think this, I must say the one other thing I say about award ceremonies is that I think from the point of view of us who watch them, it's... Um, it's always really disappointing watching them on television, unless they happen as the Oscars yes. to be live and you can watch them all through. And um, there is this kind of weird decision that uh, TV makers make about editing um, awards, whereby they behave as if all you've tuned in to watch is that is is the numbers effectively, you know, the, the show numbers that, yeah. that are put up. And 
Um, I do know that award ceremonies go on for hours and that they are full of people thanking everybody from the midwife who bore them to their to their mother to you know their first agent to their first dad's fear yeah. I know that all of that may seem tedious but I do think that TV uh, producers should recognise that that's actually why you watch the awards yeah, so yeah. Really you want all this kind of um, weird um, over the top uh, thanks and, and all the kind of odd little things that happen. And actually, if you reduce them to their essence, they're quite dull, really. You, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's, it's the kind of madness around the edges of awards ceremonies that make them fun to go to. Also, I do remember one year that um, I did go to the Olivier sitting up high, high in the gods. Yeah. The press are always at any awards ceremony, either backstage because they're waiting for people like oh, really? you to okay. come off and be interviewed or sitting somewhere so far from the action that you might as well have gone in your pyjamas because, <laughs> because you can barely see. And um, one year I went, I was invited to the Olivier's and I, I did get very dressed up and I was very excited and I was actually in the gods, which was fine. Yeah. Um, and you I was wanted. there. I, I wanted to be there. I had a lovely evening and I saw Sylvie Guillaume win an award. I think a Lifetime Achievement Award, in fact, because yeah. they have this, this odd dance category. Um, it might have been that she just won for her her dance show but <clears throat> it was one of the great moments of the awards ceremony and everybody stood up and everybody was excited because everybody had heard of Sylvie Guillaume you know she is one of the great dancers of our lifetimes yeah and when I turned on to watch on the telly it wasn't on no and I thought, gosh, well, that's so out. weird. They edited it out. You know, they put it in at the end as also awarded. No. And that, that I, I say so that's my kind of plea going forward, that I do hope that, I hope that people making award ceremonies recognise they're watched by theatre and dance and opera nerds who just want to see all the well, kind I, of Well, I think my, I think when I, 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 won an, I won the Olivier, they cut away from me as I started speaking and went to Gok Wan. <laughs> Which may, may be a really good decision. I it mean, I can't be. actually remember what I said. I think I did thank my mother because um, uh, she was sat in the audience and I, and I told a story about being three and refusing to go on stage without <laughs> her there at the Brixton Town Hall because I was about to do my first tap dance public show and, um, and then I had a complete meltdown. And so she spent the entire time tucked to in the wings, just behind the curtain, doing the dance with me. So I was right on the end, and I said that actually that she'd sort of been there the whole time. And you know, oh, that's a nice um, story. But, but it was, uh, you know, and then desperately trying to remember everybody that you want to thank, and yeah. but knowing that we'd all been given anybody that was nominated was given a letter saying, if you do win, please do not exceed forty-five seconds. So the whole time you're thinking, what is actually forty-five oh, yeah, seconds? Oh, that's true. Oh, and actually, that's the other thing. I, it reminds me of something. So the other thing I've done this year is I actually present an award to um, Kush Jumbo for her amazing uh, portrayal of Hamlet in oh, Hamlet. Brilliant. And that was part of the Critics Circle oh, yes, Awards. Yes. And there, there's a special Shakespeare Award which is given by um, Ian Truin and um, it's wonderful because it does mean that every year a Shakespeare performance is recognised. And that. I was lovely. very, very honoured to be um, 
presenting to um, Kush Jumbo. And, but we were all told our speeches had to be, I think it was a minute. And it was so hard. Yeah, and it was yeah. very, very interesting that all the female critics, their speeches were really short. We were very, very good. We were on time. I, I think mine was about one minute, 30 seconds. But there were some slightly longer ones. Yeah. They weren't by the women. Oh, that's all I'm saying. But the other thing more seriously that I wanted to say was that um, it was really interesting talking to Kush after the award because she said, and and it had never really struck me before, she said that as a kid growing up in South London, she used to read about awards all the time. Yeah. And that that was to her part of the excitement of the profession that she really wanted to go into and that she didn't necessarily know how to get into. And that she used to read reviews you know and uh, to learn about performances because she couldn't see things so she was reading critics um, and that the critic circle awards yes. therefore were like the highlight for her of her reading that she felt you know it was part of her learning about theatre as she grew yes. up and that really struck me as being a sort of huge tick in favour yes. of award ceremonies that it, she felt it was like something she you know like me in the bath dreaming of my Oscar yes. she dreamt that she would one day accept an award from the Critics Circle and blow me down she did that's lovely um, obviously the Critics Circle awards are very much a moment where um you would say that critics and, and performers are coming together and yeah, there's kind of completely. a real mutual respect. But also in historical terms, awards are incredibly good markers of taste at the time yeah. and where things are going. And if you're, if you know, if I'm ever writing about a particular year or anything, I will always look at who won awards in that particular year. Yeah. So yay, hooray for awards. Hooray for awards. I mean, it is, it's always just that thing, you know, it, However sort of humble we think we are, it's always wonderful to feel that, you know, things that you've done have have had a, a sort of ripple effect or that people have enjoyed it. But it's, I think, also to be part of any production, you know, or to be part of, a, you know, the long list, the short list, the whatever, that you're, you know, you're, you're on the edge of something exciting and that, you know, storytelling in whatever form exists in the present. And that's what's so glorious and that's what you know, critical writing and performance celebrates yeah. arm in arm. And, you know, and that's and that's why we, we want to talk about it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, I'm still, as I said earlier, waiting for that moment where I myself am on a long list, perhaps <laughs> for a podcast, perhaps everything. <laughs> so just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, it would help us if you're enjoying listening to us um, to if you would subscribe and rate the podcast. Um, our main platforms are um, Apple, Spotify and Acast, and they all have uh, buttons that enable you to do those things. And we're about to launch a patron soon. So keep listening and we will be revealing details very shortly but for now for a little while it's goodbye from me the critic and bye from me bye from me i don't know why i'm saying and saying like that <laughs> bye from me uh, nancy thank you goodbye <laughs>